Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called... Um, the Nemeskip. Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. I was like a wizard league. Um, a bit of advice. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Episode 200 of the Great Cricketer Podcast. Start again, boys. Today we're talking about fake IPL in Gujarat villages. We're talking about Bazball. We're talking about Chanderball. We're talking about any fucking danger ball. Australia losing by an innings and 39 runs. Hey, will Virat Kohli ever play for India again? He will because he keeps getting selected. Barney Rone is on the show. Hashtag RCDC gets into a weird area of people doing shots in Amsterdam clubs and then following out what sort of celebration to do after that shot. I don't know what that even means. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler, as they all are, budgiesmuggler.com.au, if that's your preference. The new hoodie range, the new tracksuit range, the new swimwear range in the UK or the US, wherever you are, across the entire lands. My name is Ian Higgins, Sam Perry, head in his hands over there for episode 200 and because Australia lost by the innings in 39 runs. <laughs> What's going on? That yeah. was a capitulation. It was. Got a, got a tweet yesterday, you and I. We just, you know, copied into a tweet or tagged into a tweet. Oh, boys, Chandamal's just brought up his 200. How are you feeling? And I think that's from a 12-year-old. And I just wanted to say, look, mm. my sons have dropped chicken fajitas all over the floor. <laughs> uh, the, the game's yeah. barely on a laptop in the corner uh, of the house. Yeah. Uh, and that's just a defensive yeah. mechanism from me because, I, yeah, I was obviously absolutely devastated at age 36 yeah. uh, that Australia was capitulating yeah. <laughs> for the 18th time in Asia. It had a retro feel to it. Uh, I, I thought there was a yeah. certain safety to it uh before we, we crack on with that he goes you mentioned the 200th episode as well uh just just from me thank you to everyone who's listened uh for 200 episodes does it mean anything not really uh you know we, we, we could sit here and we could say you know we, we changed the game seven million downloads some dumb shit like that but really um for most people i think it's just on in the car it's a voice maybe you're buying some stuff at the shops you know uh, yeah. Volume's a bit low. Turn it up. You know, I got bills to pay. Just a voice and a mate. <laughs> like, uh, but but you know, we we stand on the shoulders of giants uh, at the grade cricketer here. You know, people who exposed us through the years while we played to rig stuff, cock tricks, selfishness, um, and you know that the show has always been a death threat and a love letter and and revenge. Uh, and we're really grateful uh, to everyone who tunes in yeah. for that. And you're just going to yes. get on with your lives, and it doesn't matter at all. It's just a fucking show. 
We're gonna we're standing on the we're standing on the shoulders of giants, as you say, and also of betting companies who have like funded this this um this operation from start to finish. <laughs> and speaking and speaking of betting companies, here's a headline that caught my eye this week, Pez. I'm reading from the Times of India, as you know, my Bible. Fake IPL in Gujarat village dupes Russian punters. Oh yeah, now you're licking your chops, aren't you? In your car there on your way to work to the job that you fucking hate. Let me read this article to you. It's not cricket. But a Gujarat village almost pulled off an elaborate con with a fake IPL complete with farm labourers masquerading as players, a harsher Bogle mimic, and even an official, inverted commas, telegram channel to take punts for a remote audience of Russian punters addicted to betting on the thrills and spills of T20. The charade playing out, the charade playing out (laughs) in a remote farm at Milipur village of Masana district reached the knockout quarterfinal stage before organisers of the Indian Premier Cricket League, inverted commas, were caught out by the cops. The gang of Kongs, whose cons who set up IPL matches at a farm in a Gujarat village, accepted bets from punters in Russian cities of Dvor, uh, Moscow, some other places. Um, the, the cricket matches were broadcast live over a YouTube channel labelled IPL for over a fortnight. What makes... Uh, what made the grand fraud even more audacious was that fake matches started three weeks after the real-life bill concluded. All it took for the real-life con caper to be executed were 21 farm labourers and unemployed youths from the village who took turns wearing jerseys of the Chennai Super Kings, Mumbai Indians and Gujarat Titans. They even did umpiring, flauntering a few walkie-talkies in front of five HD cameras. Crowd noise, sound effects downloaded from the internet, made the ambience appear authentic to the audience sitting in Russia. A commentator, inverted commas, from Merut, with a talent for mimicking Harsha Bogle, added to the feel of the fake tournament, inducing punters to bet their rubles on the Telegram channel set up by the gang. Uh, the Masana police have so far arrested four people and are investigating the uh, Hawala channel that was used to keep this con alive. Um, chief organiser Shoba Davda who returned to Malapur after working for eight months in a Russian pub, famous for taking bets, helped execute the con. Uh, then there's some other stuff. Anyway, you sort of get the gist. Um, uh, like how inaccessible has, is the game of cricket and how fucking weird is it to anyone who walks past any ground at any time of a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, as is their want, and they think... They're watching some blokes on a farm in jerseys with some otherwise carrying walkie-talkies and think, yeah, this could be this could be professional cricket. This is what professional cricket is. Yep, definitely, hey, definitely. Like, uh, well, I don't. What's the problem here? Uh, you know, the, <laughs> that bloke's having a punt. What's the fraud? It's it's not too far from a lot of pro cricket, I tell you. <laughs> you know, through the years, yeah. like uh, you know, the yeah. Russians are having a bet. They see something on. I mean, the Aussies. We talk about betting on two cockroaches. You know, across the floor could be fixed too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh. Yeah. Obviously, the problem is that it's fixed because appa- of apparently, like as bets would come in, the umpires, the umpires were apparently then signalling to the bats or the bowlers, like, "Okay, you got to bowl a wide now, you got to hit a four now." This kind of stuff. Yeah, now, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know if you saw the footage because a bit of footage has come out, and now I'm starting to ask questions about the Euro Cricket League because this was a better standard. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Was it actually? Was that, I've, I've not seen the footage. The oh, this footage is actually the guys can play. Could pick up a couple of shots down the ground. Uh, you know, the the, the, Mate, the, I'm, I'm, I'm the umpires you, have got white I'm coats on. You. Could be lab coats. 
It's all if good. It was a hundred thousand, you know, rupee or rubles. Yeah. Uh, got, and like someone said to you, you have to hit this ball for six. And yeah. it was like my my eight year old nephew underarming to me. I'm not sure if I could execute. Mate, I'm not sure if I could execute. And that's why a lot that's of the, a lot of the teams that I won't mention that have been kind of connected to to uh, fixing cricket through the years have always earned my kind of um, darker uh, respect yeah. because it's like you respect, you, yeah. you can you can lose and win as you wish depending on where where yeah. there's more money you know. Uh, so yeah. I don't really, yeah. you know, like I, I I do love that Russians just going, well, yeah, I can bet on this. Yeah, all good. And and yeah. like yeah, yeah, like it looks like the IPL. I don't know. Like uh, and and they're swapping jerseys and who's washing them and yeah, you know, all like all Jerkin, that kind of gear. Jerkin, some of them when they found out that this was actually not the real IPL, they'd still be like, yeah. So yeah. I I just want to bet on it. I've already bet on the IPL. This is the, this is the Indian Premier Cricket League. It's a different comp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This like is they, the IPCL. Yeah, they, they come to the, the Russians and go, "That wasn't a real comp." You're like, oh, I, "I know. I'm just I'm yeah, gonna, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're playing on a farm. I can see a sheep standing at mid wicket. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like they had no wide lens of the of the game to show the fullness okay. of the ground that it was a farm either. It was all just close okay. in shots and stuff. I, I mean. It's yeah. pretty much our commentators commentate nowadays anyway. They don't know whether it's going for four or six, so or if there's a fielder out there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying play on. Yeah, and true. I'm also saying let's have a look at the Euro Cricket League because I reckon there's a couple <laughs> of guys in the same. With respect. Is that respect? Is Where, was Pavel? Respect Where was yeah. Pavel? Yeah, oh, what that's that? right. Was, was Pavel Florin involved <laughs> yeah, in this? Exactly. Um Mate, I completely agree with you. Like, how good have you got to be where, like, okay, you need to nick this ball? How do you, how do you deliberately nick it? I mean, like... Me, I'm trying to middle the thing. I'll scratch off there. Don't worry about that. But if you had to, if you had to nick, yeah. fuck, that's good. It's good going. Um, Pez, uh, as always, uh, support for this show is from our dear patrons, patreon.com forward slash Cray Cricketer. Episode 99 of Hashtag RCC Fridays is coming out this week. And then the Hall of Fame episode, we've had lovely feedback from all the great questions we've um, we've received, over 200 episodes of of this here podcast and 99 of hashtag RTDC Fridays on Patreon. Um, that's coming out in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, if you want to support TGC and get around us and keep support for the show going, patreon.com forward slash great cricketer. Over there in Gaul, Pez, absolute scenes. Sri Lanka win the second test by an innings in 39 runs. This is, uh, it's uh, blokes on the blokes on comms, one of your former teammates, Pez, Russell Arnold. Mm. Um saying this is one of the all-time great Sri Lankan victories. Hard to disagree. This is a stunning, a stunning victory for Sri Lanka. Chandamal, highest score ever by a Sri Lankan batter against Australia, gets a double ton. Jaya Saruria, uh, 12 for, for the match, fourth best figures ever for a debutante. Um, four blokes go down with COVID the night before the game. Three test debutantes in the game. And they fucking smashed Australia. Smashed them. This is uh, it's a stunning victory in the context of what's going on politically in the country as well, and the circuits happening in the presidential palace of blokes doing WWF moves on the president's hey. bed, blokes on backflips in the pool. That's all part of it for me. Save it. That's um, also for the budgie ad as well. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get that out of the way, okay? Chandamal, he's a gorgeous batsman, isn't he? Very technically correct. He's had a bit of a lane trot, 13 test tons. He's a good-looking bat. Purity smoking Mitchell Stark at the end. They went from 150 to 200 in lightning speed. I never want this Australian cricket team to ever land on our shores again. Exactly. Bring back JL. He, he never would have let this happen. Exactly. Never it, would this have happened under the old coach. Look, 
here goes. There's a lot of people out there listening to the show. Some of them are doing it ironically, and they're nodding, you know, furiously at the wonderful uh, context that you've delivered for Sri Lanka's victory uh, and the praise that you've given to their players that performed really well in the second test, Jaisaria and Chandamal especially. Uh, and yeah, that's all. That's all well and good, man. But um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Stunning, stunning victory. Um, while their country's in turmoil, food shortages, fuel shortages, um, energy shortages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a victory amid revolution in the country. Okay, all well and good. There's only there's a couple of we correct, fucking shorter runs, were they? There's a couple of correct takes here. Realistically, <laughs> one is one is where are the effigies uh, for Australia? Uh, two, yeah. Where's Justin Langer? Uh, and yeah. And, and three, and I haven't discussed this with you. This, I, I've actually kept something to myself for once in my life. But um, oh I, oh look, look, the third correct take for this game and this series is, is fucking penguins. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to sum that up. Any fucking danger, any, Well, easy, because... Mm. You're leading this charge, whether you like it or not, because I was, uh, okay. as is my want, before I, uh, yeah. before I record this here podcast. You know, from time to time, I prepare. Okay, and uh, I go okay. through a few different websites. There's a couple of websites that cover the cricket quite well and copiously, um, and one of them mm-hmm. uh, is is Fox Sports. All right, uh, there, All right. there, I said it. A couple, of, good, some good reporters at Fox Sports, and I and I just All scroll right. past the headline. Uh, one of the many, you know, um, sort of raging headlines following Australia's loss, and yep. overnight, and one of the headlines was, is, <laughs> um, any fucking danger inverted commas. <laughs> Umpire shocker denies us Aussies three wickets as burnt reviews sting. Fucking is obviously F and then three asterisks, yeah. ing. And I was like, I only know one guy that said any fucking danger in the last couple of days. <laughs> So I click, I click on the Fox Sports article. Christy Doran, friend of ours, a uh, friend of the show, had beers with him in the past. I think he played at the Bears as well, so all connected and stuff. Um, and I thought this would be good. And it was a it was a faithfully written article about mistakes that uh, Dharma Sainer had made and whatever. And contained within it is an embedded tweet uh, from Ian Higgins. <laughs> And now, strangely, it doesn't actually have the original tweet. There's just underneath. There's just a laugh emojis from you, and there's some other shit you said. But the original tweet is you saying any fucking danger, Kuma. So you know that sentiment has been adjudged by Fox Sports to be really the zeitgeist, the clickable zeitgeist of Australia. Now, I don't know if you take that as a compliment or not, but I think the (laughs) real analysis out of this game—it's not victory mid revolution from Sri Lanka. It's not Australia has its um, um, systemic. Uh, a systemic uh, lack of technique to spin exposed once again. Uh, it's that the penguins fucked us, and yeah, we need yeah, jail back, penguins. and we need <laughs> it's fucking penguins. Uh, <laughs> you know, if he, if Dharma Sainer just hears that little nick, then the whole game's changed. That the whole thing turns on it. You know, all of a sudden we'll be able to play this ten-year uh, first-class yeah, player yeah, that's yeah. debuting. All of a sudden, you know, we'll be able to knock Chandamal and everyone else over. And uh, and I think you nailed it, mate. It's it, it, this is the result of uh, just getting fucked by the Penguins. One Penguin in particular, that's Dharma Sena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Goff at the other end, a cracking. Game, oh, a cracking game. Um, it's a rig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the houses. Yeah, how the digits on that? Um, yeah, <laughs> is that what you say like, for you know, umpires when an umpire gives you out fucking digits on it? Yeah, uh, fuck. Oh, yeah. It's like it's I, mean, a thick I, digit. I, I played a miss. I, 
I played and missed, but I wouldn't mind seeing that finger again. Um, <laughs> what? Um, Pez, you know, you know me, mate. I've always had my yeah. finger on the pulse, and my yeah, yeah, and my Twitter yeah. is just uh, is just full of. Um, you know, sensible, well thought out, non-sarcastic tweets at all. Mm. Like when I um, said that Chandamal, uh, it was a shame that Chandamal got 200 because he's a cheat because he hit it and he didn't walk. Um, and there's a litany <laughs> of repli- <laughs> replies. replies there's times of in your like- article now. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of replies about the 2008 Border Gavaska Trophy Series for some reason, uh, 14 years ago. Yeah. Uh, all, all normal and good stuff, mate. Um, yeah, mate. Uh, well, I said this on the Daily last night. Uh, available on YouTube and, and Patreon, of course. Uh, but like I said, that um, like umpires have bad games. Like it's fine, whatever. It's just I I I, I just found it funny with Kumar Damasena yesterday. Now we're just talking about it. Um, that uh, it wasn't just like he made a couple of bad calls because he did. But like in those circumstances, it's not dissimilar to being a wiki keeper. Like it's fucking. It's really hard. The ball's turning. All this shit, whatever. And then. Uh, it's just that his head was so gone because like, he'd obviously gone to bed the night before, seeing the like, oh, he's, he's missed one there, and now this guy's put on 180 runs. Uh, since he missed that decision. Um, and then, like, he started, like, review bump balls for, like, full tosses hitting to the ground. So he yeah. wanted to fucking talk to Goff at square leg. He, there was a play and miss. He tried to, like, do a square up. No one really appealed. He's like, yep, definitely, that's definitely out. His, his, head, his head was gone. His head, so I found that funny. But, like, umpires have bad games. It's no, it's no issue. But, yeah, he fucking cost Australia the series, and he should uh, come out and uh, uh, publicly apologise, I thought. <laughs> fucking penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was like it's you know the the like we we've seen that game before. Uh, we've seen that game before, yeah. and uh, it was like I said, it was there's a certain safety to seeing it. Uh, team bats big against us. We failed about big. Then it just goes in fast forward. We get knocked over. It's all quite comical. Um, no one can play deliveries anymore. And the, yeah, systemic like failure to deal with spin bowling in Asia is exposed once again. Partly because we don't invest in spin bowling ourselves, and therefore you know it compounds. We can't play spin. Blah blah blah. The cycle continues. <clears throat> um, but probably the funniest bit for me was. Um, was the continued shots from the broadcast of an old bloke rimming an inflatable kangaroo. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like the, you know, a beautiful director's shot who who understood the metaphor straight away. Now, he seemed to be an Australian Mm. fan, um, a senior citizen or something close to that, rimming an inflatable kangaroo. So I'm not sure what that means. That could be the old players and them sharpening uh, their knives (laughs) ahead of India. (laughs) But I don't know how that really works. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this on the fly. But uh, yeah. really, it was it was a it was really a thorough, comprehensive <laughs> defeat. You know, Sri Lanka played Rimi. Yeah. excellently. Yeah. Nathan Rimington. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sri Lanka were great. Uh, Australia were exposed, yeah. and Pat Cummins has yeah, said yeah, yeah. that. Uh, you know, we actually learn more in defeat than victory. We're, we're a better chance of winning, winning in India as a result of losing this game. It's just like, oh, nah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mate, I, I, I really did feel going to this game that, that Australia need, needed to have a loss to sort of learn more about future series. Yeah, and so I think really, we meant that. Yeah, yeah, we have. That was sort of my takeaway from this. Yeah, Pez, um, I, I was I was saying on the daily last night, you know, in the in the heat of the loss, you know, I was just sort of feeling my feelings as I yeah. like to do on this show, yeah. and I was thinking, you know, like in the context of the game, like one decision is enormous to the value of the game because Chandamal nicks off when he's twenty or thirty, and he adds another one hundred and eighty after he after that event, and the first innings leads like one hundred and ninety, and so it's like okay, so if you just completely, you know, if you'd like, you know, uh, just 
add those two numbers together or subtract them or whatever they sort of equate to. Maybe Schlank having to chase 170 or 180 or one, like the game changes, right? But then I was like, hmm, Australia won the toss. They were five for 300. They lost, they lost five for 45 in the, on the morning of day two. Both guys have got hundreds. No one else gets above 30. <clears throat> uh, Kerry misses a number of chances behind the sticks. Australia's use of the review system was really poor. They were unlucky in a, a couple of other instances where, like, there was a few umpires' calls and all that stuff. Like, that's, that, that just happens sometimes, right? Um, so that's just part of the game. So, but Australia were, were poor for three days in a row. And then, of course, once it gets into day four, when Australia then has bowled 180-something overs, and they're fucking exhausted, right? Of course they are. And then a fresh bowling attack comes out, new pill, they're up and about... Uh, and then that's how the game changes. And it looks like it looks like Australia's batting on a different wicket. But they were outskilled. They 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 in numerous instances throughout the game, they managed those situations very poorly. This this was this was a really bad performance by Australia after a very good day one, very good day one. But not, bats three and four hit hundreds. Your number four hits one hundred and forty five red ink. Australia is winning the series two 0 at that point. That's what we we're saying on our dailies after day one. Better team, better, more, better skills, and then just complete capitulation. It's just made another example of um, England being the best team in the world because they won 2 0 over there. So it really makes you think, doesn't it? This is actually a good result for England. Oh, it's a great result for 16 year olds with access to YouTube accounts. Uh, and, and Chris Silverwood. Spoons. Same thing, yeah. really. Yeah. Yep, spoons. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Two for 200. Yeah, there's all sorts of numbers you can throw out there or whatever. I, I, I mean, just looking at the game, it was really. There was nowhere to hide for them, though. They, they did get themselves into good positions. Uh, I saw Mark War on Twitter suggesting they were complacent when they threw those wickets away, those, those final five wickets, and if they get those runs mm. and it's a different game, it's different match pressure for younger guys, etc. Yeah, maybe that's right. Uh, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> but, but there's nowhere to hide. Sri Lanka scored those runs. Sri Lanka put on runs at the end of their innings. Uh, Australia didn't. Sri Lanka's spinners were able to get fizz and drama from the wicket. Australia's spinners weren't. Uh, I don't. I, I just think they were. That was just the reality of the skills that both teams brought to this wicket, which was a quintessential Asian wicket. It wasn't one of those crapshoot ones where it just rags everywhere and you you might, um, you know, you might get the better of things or, you know, stay ahead of the avalanche before a ball actually gets you. Like, I, I even feel like when Australia's batting, even though they, they made 360, pretty still pretty good score uh, anywhere around the world, like, they still batted in a manner that was like, I better um, I better keep going and reverse sweeping and sweeping and staying on top of the spinners because one's going to get me. And even even Marnus scoring 100 and Smith scoring 100, they didn't, I still didn't feel like they were playing with the command of people who'd made 100. Um, though it still meant they were really good innings because you can make 100 runs. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the Sri Lankan batters who were in, they, they had... They, they were in control, you know. They 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 yeah. could. They were in control of that wicket. They were in command of their game. They understood um, how to play in those situations. Mm. I just think, I think Australia just has a fundamental like technical deficiency on these kinds of wickets when it comes to both playing and it comes to um, extracting as spinners. And I, I noticed Michael Clark overnight has said, you know, international cricket, you've got to find a way to make runs all around the world. You go somewhere like South Africa, extra pace, bounce seam, go to Sri Lanka or India, you know, it's going to turn from ball one. We've got some work to do. And the systemic question you've got to ask yourself is when the fuck are we going to do that work before India? It doesn't happen anymore. Mm. You, where, where's, the, where's the time to do that? 
so well, I think yeah. if they, I think Count Rothness has been pretty dry, pretty dry season over Adelaide, good, yeah. so it could actually could spin a fair bit. Now, Pez, well, you t- you're talking there about um, about technical deficiencies, and I want to talk about guys who I don't think have had a very good tour for Australia. Good, and you Travis player ratings. Travis Head, no, I'm not going to do player ratings. Travis Head three. Um, I think that uh, Travis Head's a very very interesting one because I think uh, he was obviously player of the series in the Ashes, and he was spectacular, and he. He has been earmarked for a long time. He's actually a potential test captain one day. But there's an issue, isn't there? Because he looks like he's going to get out all the time, in, especially in Asia, against good quality spin. Um, and he's been playing for his spot for a little while, and he had a sensational summer in Australia. But when he's playing spin in Asia, it looks like you're not, you're not in the top six best batters that Australia could provide in this situation. And that's an issue because there's longevity with head as well like sometimes you have to like stick with a guy in all circumstances to keep him in the t- in the team to be playing high level red ball cricket because he probably is in Australia's best six batters to be in England next year right but I reckon Ashton might have a bit of fun with him in uh you know on his YouTube channel I mean uh, sort of a bit of Q&A stuff and uh <laughs> some skits some skits maybe <laughs> um uh you know over in India. so it's by. like well what's the point that's, 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 that's by the by. You can't pick a bloke because he's going to have a bit of fun on YouTube with the, with the <laughs> position spinner. He's <laughs> taking 460 test wickets. He can't, he can't pick a guy just because of that. Some people are saying out there, Michael Clark included. They're saying, you, well, you can still pick him. So, um, no, tra- I, I, I just find Travis had an interesting one because they, they want him in the team. They like him. He did well. He's, he keeps clawing his way. His numbers are pretty good in test cricket. But it's... Well. It's a bit, what's the point? So do you back him saying like, well, he'll find, if he's good enough, he'll find a way. Maybe that's the answer. But at the same time, oh, I reckon a guy like a G Maxwell might be better, except Glenn Maxwell doesn't play any red ball cricket and it's just a feeling. But it's, yeah. but it's something. And you can't pick Travis, you can't pick your number six batter because he took four for 10 and, you know, because Glenn Maxwell probably also could have done that. He's a better bowler. So it's a dilemma, I feel like. It's a dilemma. I, th- I think that the, the idea of like an Australian number five batter uh, or, or just a, a top order or middle order Australian batter who's ostensibly got really good numbers struggling in Asia is not a new thing. Yeah, you know, no. I think a lot of our great players, uh, that. that's right, struggled over there. Where the conversation changes is that um, Australia have moved to uh, a horses for courses or flexible scenario um, with their teams in a way that previous teams didn't. You know, like incumbency isn't as uh, sacred a thing for this team when it comes to bowlers. And I know it's been mentioned in the press here as well. I think even Cummins mentioned it. Like the moment you're willing to sit down Josh Hazelwood, who, I mean, Mm. a comparison with Travis Head is a bit silly, but he's far more world-class or world-class performed than Travis Head. When you're willing to sit him down uh, in the name of getting the right attack for that surface... Why doesn't that um, approach apply to batters as well? And there may be an answer to that. You know, like it, it's an interesting cricket question. I think, and we know that like someone like Brendan McCullum or whatever, there's a there's a thing happening in cricket where a couple of like um, sacred cows or like accepted wisdom is starting to be challenged on certain things. You know, it's been happening for a little while, but it's happening in test cricket now. 
We've always suspected that batters have kind of run the game a little bit. Why is incumbency in a batting lineup more treasured than in a bowling lineup? Like, why are bowlers able to be swapped in and out, um, but batters aren't? You know, there may be an answer to that. You don't fuck with form or whatever. You know, maybe batters are just more brittle or think one thing goes wrong, it's unfair, you've got to stick with people. There there may be answers, but I think Australia's asking those questions now as well. You know, if you're going to be really flexible and be kind of quite progressive in who you put forward as a bowling lineup, I mean, apparently, Agar was going to play if he was fit instead of Swepson. Right. Uh, then why can't you do that with batters? Like why must Travis Head be? Um, why must Travis Head be invested in in Asia where there is no record of success? Maybe there's not a big enough data set. Uh, not to be confused with Dallin, you know, Sarah Ganguly, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Playing a game of tennis. Data that's set. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. his set. Six yeah. love. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like why? Why does he have to be invested in when you know he's when when left-handers tend to struggle over there? When yes, he averages yeah. forty-nine at home, but very little away from home and on these mm. wickets, you know. And maybe he doesn't start in India, or maybe he scores a couple of hundreds at home, and we go, ah, it looks good and it feels good, and he's the bin leader and he's in. Like, mm. I, you know, that it's it's a really big question. I feel I feel um, bad for focusing on Travis Head specifically when it comes to this. He just probably had the, the worst return. Uh, but that's going to be a big question for Australia going to India in February next year because they don't really have the opportunity to work on their game that much. There's fucking white ball deluxe everywhere. There's fuck yeah. all conditions in Australia to help them work on it. So it really mm-hmm. is a case of like who has the best uh, setup, you know, who has the best weaponry that we can pluck from the shelf, put into Indian conditions and give themselves a chance. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, I, I would be in favour mm-hmm. of trying something because it d- – there was a bit of a sitting duck feel to it, uh, to be fair. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that man's name to replace him, RM Williams. Uh, another guy uh, who I thought – it's another interesting one is Swepson, who's now played four test matches – Five test matches. He's played all three in Pakistan, didn't he? Um, and he's bowled a lot of overs, a lot of overs. And um, and it looks, it looks benign, I suppose. Now, in Pakistan, it was difficult because those were some fucking flat decks. And these pitches, he bowled very nicely in the first test match. He took five wickets for the game, I'm pretty sure, top of my head. He didn't bowl a bad spell, I don't think, here in, in Sri Lanka. But it just looked a little bit... Looked a little bit easier to play. Now, this is also an issue because, like, you get told time and time and time again from guys who have played at the top level as a spinner. Warren used to say this all the time. You just got to give them time. You know, like, I, look, Nathan Lyon probably would had uh, questions marks about him until about his 75th test match. Um, and then you, you sort of appreciate his quality in relation to other young spinners, especially when they come to Australia. And you look at even Jack Leach, who just probably just needs more and more game time, and he, he has, gets a 10 for against, you know, albeit, you know, New Zealand. Um, yeah. unnecessary to kick them then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just like spinners need time to grow into the game because really it's only it's only Ashwin who's just mad. Even Jadeja, I reckon, I reckon it's just been Ashwin in the last decade who's just come in and be like, you can you can play just about everywhere. And now Ashwin doesn't even play everywhere. It's it's difficult, the investment that they've had, but I just felt like watching this game, there was all this, all this talk before the game about left arm spin. And you can see why. I mean, you're just in the game all the time with left arm spin on, on those turning decks. They pitch it on the stumps. Some will straighten, some will spin. You're going to beat them inside of the bat, outside of the edge of the bat. There's just multiple ways to get them out. Swepson, he's, he, it's, it's just more difficult to sustain pressure. And he's bowling like he's, he's either waiting for a mistake from the batsman, which doesn't really happen that much in test cricket, um, even compared to shield cricket where his record's fantastic. Um, 
he's going to have to bowl some fucking absolute jaffers to get wickets. Um, and then, you know, like he was unlucky in Pakistan, wasn't he? A little bit with drop catches. I was actually in the first innings, he dropped, he dropped Karun Ratna for full toss um, just before lunch on day two, I think that was. Um, which also might have been as part of Australia's problem. Didn't didn't take those little chances, but hey, I I don't think Swepson's had a great tour, which is harsh because he's I think he's played fine, but it's just I just see value elsewhere in other players, and that's harsh sure. because I want I want the guy who didn't play is now the best player of all time. Yeah, look, I think that's right, mate. Before the tour or before the first test, I thought that Swepson deserved a game because fuck, he's just he's just been in the wings for so long yeah. and. I think yeah. I'm, I'm partial to a leg spinner and, the uh, again, the the volatility of that experience as well. Uh, but y- you are right, and I think we saw that, uh, like, borne out. I think leg I think leg spin um, is probably just a bit slow off the wicket on those decks. Mm. Uh, and, mm. yeah, I, I think left arm spin was probably the way to go. But what, with John Holland, maybe even Matt Kuhneman, you know, friend of the show, Matt Kuhneman as well, uh, may have mm. been... <laughs> a bit may have, may have been a better shout. Judging from the fact, you know, Lyon failed to really make an impression, uh, and then you know, like moments later at the end of that innings, their spinners were like, it it, it all points to me that like our spinners probably just didn't know how to exploit that deck the way that theirs did, and then our bats didn't know how to re- you know bat on that deck the way theirs did. That's just what happens when you play away from home against teams that know how to play. So, mm. uh yeah. I don't, I don't know, mate. Um, did, did you have a... Uh, did you, is it worth going over um, Steve Smith's review? Any review shit with that? You know, like, I think I, I just noticed... Yeah, sure. there's a, I just want to be contrarian about it. Like, uh, there's a lot of people who are now, like, sort of sticking their knife into Smith about his um, reaction to wanting a review um, when right. he was absolutely fucking dead salmon trout. <laughs> and then he, he had his little fucking sidekick there that he was trying to bully into making him review when yeah. Marnus was going yeah. with it. And I, I yeah. like... I think this is only a conversation in the context of Smith having previously been captain and now being like, eh, it wasn't a captain, was it? <laughs> you know, like, like, but <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. a it's a criminally minded, you know, gluttonous run scoring robot mm. savant, and uh, yes. and that is just something that comes with that mindset. And like, yeah. if you just let him be like that, and you have a bit of maturity around it, then. It's then it's okay. Like it's not great. It's not great to watch, you know. And I'll keep calling him it and objectifying him, uh, but it it is it is petulant, and uh, it is it is a little bit immature. But that is that goes hand in hand with run scoring at a fucking savant level. And uh, I don't know. I I don't think it's a big deal because he's not really a leader anymore. So, um, you know, they just need guys. You just need a non-striker. And I would just say on the non-striker thing as well, sorry, a lot of people are like, well, Mana should just be able to say to him, like, um, sorry, mate, you know, that's plum. But, like, the non-striker doesn't always stand in line with the umpire as well. You know, if you're looking at a fucking umpire's call or whatever, it's not like it's not as easy as, an, as a non-striker just being able to go, like, yeah, that's fucking salmon, mate. That's that's dead. Uh, so, I don't know. I think I just find... I find I find the emotion of trying to get a review right when you're a bat really funny. You know, it's yeah. just oh, funny yeah. and like, and you're never going to take the emotion out of it. They're going to try. Just show me a batter who thinks they're out and I'll show you a loser. <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. it, all of your fucking will is invested in runs. Mm. Uh, and yeah. that's why it's just really funny. And that's why Australians will continue to fuck this up. 
Yeah, and yeah. Koala is an angel investor. Yeah. Uh, uh, one, one thing that was impressing, uh, future test captain Cam Green, after Marnus was basically hit on the full sweeping, yeah. uh, and Marnus walked down, Cam Green was like, oh. Yeah, you fucked him off. Um, I wouldn't, yeah. no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what say, mate. Um, yeah, that was, that was leadership yeah. material for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. And how big is he? Um, okay, uh, well, should we talk about, uh, the England-India T20 series? Yeah. Um, Pez Dog. Uh, so India won that series 2 1. Um, India won the first two games and England took out the third game. So England in the series were without Bearstow Stokes, Adil Rashid, and Mark Wood. They'll all come back in before the World Cup. Um, in fact, I think, well, Stokes and Bearstow are definitely back because the, the, the ODI series are playing three ODIs that starts tonight. Um, but yeah, so the first T20, India won that by 50 runs. They got 198 for eight. Then England uh, were bowled out for 150. Hardy Pandey hit 51 off 33 and four for 33 in that game. So you can guess who player of the match was in that game. Um, the second T20, India won by 49 runs. They hit 170 for eight. England bowled out for 121. Uh, interesting about this game, uh, Richard Gleeson, uh, who played in the first game as well. This will be his second game. He took three for 15, his first three international polls. He picked up Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli and Rishabh Punt. Um, he's also uh, he's he's a school teacher uh, for some some gaff in Preston. Uh, had to had to ask uh, has to ask for uh, time off work to play these games. Uh, they said, well, that's that's going to come out of your pay. Um, he plays for Lancashire. His contract runs out at the end of the Vitality Blast. Um, Gleason, he's thirty four years old. This is his first crack at international cricket. It's a fucking pretty cool story. Mm. Um, that uh, I think he I think he only started debuting. Pro cricket at twenty seven or something or something. I think I'm right in saying that. Uh, anyway, three fifteen, stunning. I mean, um, fucking good for him. Uh, so they lost that game by forty nine runs. And then <laughs> another thing in that game is, is which is worth of note um, that uh, that game at Edgebaston was monitored by, and I'm quoting, undercover football crowd style spotters. Uh, after Warwickshire unveiled a series of new measures to combat the instances of racist abuse that marred the fifth test. Last week, you would have seen even Ben Stokes um, tweeted about this that there was reports of racist abuse um, in the crowd there during the Test match at Edgebaston. Um, Warwickshire confirmed that undercover football crowd-style spotters would be deployed throughout Edgebaston to listen out for abusive behaviour and report it for immediate action. And added that there would be an increased police presence at games to handle that such instances swiftly and enable more chances of successful prosecution. I mean, obviously, first and foremost, um, if you go into the cricket and if you go in anywhere in your life, actually, you know, like racist abuse stuff, that's not just bin stuff. It's fucking, you're an absolute coat. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that, um, that that's been moved so quickly uh, because obviously there's been reports of that happening in grounds across Australia uh, for a long time. And I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen this style of um, policing, like undercover football crowd style spotters. So people are just like being placed in the crowd. Are they, will they be sitting in seats? Um, I guess anyone yells shit out and it's like, I can see you later. Yeah. I think you go to jail for that now. It's like, it's like jail time now. Good. Um, anyway, uh, the third T20 England won that by 17 runs. England hit 215 for seven. Uh, Milan hit 77 off 39. Then India fell 17 runs short, 198 for nine. Uh, Suri Kumar Yadav hit 117 off 55. Now, that's getting into interesting areas because the main conversation about this game, there was there was, there was was obviously some England perspective with it. Matthew Mott's first, um, you know, first series uh, as the captain of, uh, sorry, the, the coach of England for the White Ball setup. Josh Butler, first time taking over Owen Morgan. There's, there's, some, there's some narratives there, but the, 
the main conversations around this is Vrat Kohli um, and his lack of runs, which he might have seen over the last little while. So he played games two and three. He didn't play the first game. He, he faced nine balls in the series. He hit one and 11. It's been nearly three years without a ton. It's 77 international innings. It's close to 130 all innings, no hundreds. Kapil Devers said, if Kohli isn't performing, you can't keep the youngsters out. Rohit Sharma said, uh, in relation to some of the experts are saying that, uh, you know, Kohli shouldn't play. And Rohit Sharma said, I don't know who these experts are. He's going to play. Uh, we've seen some Instagram commentary uh, from um, Usman Khawaja, who said, yeah, no, you shouldn't pick him. He only averages uh, 50 in white ball cricket at about 140. So, yeah, don't pick him. Cheers. Um, that'd be good if you could not pick him. Um, he's, of course, going to play. But I think this is the first time I've seen a more of a groundswell of questions about Vrat Kohli's place in the, in the side, especially when there's guys like Sky, who's hit 117 or 55 balls. I mean, there's some talent there. And it's been a long time since Vrat Kohli's hit 100 He's done some other stuff. Let's call that out. But it hasn't been 100. So, I mean, how seriously are we taking this, mate? Because he's going to play. And of course he's going to play. He's one of the fucking best bats ever. But I think this is the first time where it's like, mm, there is a, there's a bit, there's a bit of pressure on him now. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think it was like, look, didn't watch it really closely, but have caught up with it. And it yeah. seems to have been a really well-received, like, uh, series win for India in the T20 stuff. Obviously, they didn't progress as far as they would have liked in the T20 World Cup last year, uh, and they have a fucking unbelievable side. And yeah. uh, and they're playing England at home who can go pretty hard, really. And yeah. they seem to unveil a new batting philosophy, you know, which is just as as they say in great cricket, mm. bouging it pretty much at all yeah, costs yeah. and times yeah. from ball one. And like, it seemed to me that, that, or it seems, you know, that it was reported that Coley kind of bought into that as well. Uh, you know, just trying to go from the off. Uh, and he lasted nine balls doing it, a couple of good boundaries. Uh, they appreciated mm. that he, he bought into that because I think it was reported in Crick Info that like it's not really not reported, but suggesting Crick Info that's not really how he typically builds his T Twenty innings, mm. and so in the question of like of Coley and his position in the side, it, it, I'm sure it will all happen in a kind of um, gradual way. Like if you think of it really specifically in terms of T Twenty cricket, you know, there's there's got to be um, a question over his place in the side because. The game is just it, it like it just lives and dies off so many small moments, and if if guys can't bring um, anything over the course of a long period of time, then and he's and he's got some age, and just the place of T Twenty cricket in internationals is still a little bit beneath like Test cricket and stuff. It doesn't seem as dramatic to think, oh, you know, he's in for some, he's not for others, or whatever. Mm. Um, mm. But as we said with Watto many months ago nobody's had a bigger line of credit extended to them. You know, nobody has more liquidity in the bank than or credit, whichever one you want to go with, you know, financially speaking. Probably better to be liquid at the moment in terms of the financial markets, but he, mm. he, he's got liquidity in terms of runs and he, he's still being extended credit, you know, and I don't, you know, <laughs> he's got 207 million Instagram yeah. followers as well, you know, sets him on people, you know, that's liquidity. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. and I noted yeah. that, but, but I did note that like, yeah, like, 
couple of people are getting a bit more bullish in questioning Coley's mm. position in the side. So Capital Dev did it. So Venkatesh Prasad, uh, Venki, another friend of the show, he said there was a time when you were out of form, you'd be dropped irrespective of reputation. Saurav, Sawag, Yuvraj, Zahir, Baji, all been dropped when not informed. They've all went back to domestic cricket, scored runs, and staged a comeback. The yardsticks seem to have changed drastically now where there is rest for being out of form. This is no way for progress. There's so much talent in the country and cannot play on reputation. One of India's greatest match winners, Anil Kumble, sat out on so many occasions, um, need actions for the larger good. My only issue with what Venki said, which is otherwise just correct, in sport, no player is ever bigger than the team. Right, no one is ever big in the yeah. team. In yeah. sorry, in any successful team, but um, none of those players he mentioned, though they're bigger, as big as Coley. <laughs> you know, like he's still he's still bigger than those guys. And I just wonder more broadly, like whether there's a kind of Messi Ronaldo thing going on with like Coley and Smith. You know, like he's you know, are we just actually watching the game move away from them a little bit? Smith's on the outer with the T Twenty side; he's still in it, but like the, just the game is just yeah. starting to move on, and and we. We all have to adjust to the idea that they may not be the big dogs anymore. They may still have a few tunes in them, a few symphonies, as you've seen with Smith, etc. But um, they're a bit fewer and far between. And teams are always looking to invest, especially with India, where like there's just such a you can just feel mm. such a groundswell of energy in the country about the sheer number of players with serious talent that are just like yep. desperate for a shot. So I expect Coley to score hundreds in these ODI series. <laughs> yeah oh my god think of the celebrations when he goes to triple figures well. holy shit um would a guy who would have been no, more nervous if you if, when he when he next reaches the 90s w- will a country be more fucking nervous when the guys are 93 uh and fucking you know reese topley's running into bowl or some shit um yeah anyway so there's three odis are coming up it's 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 an interesting conversation and we're obviously removed from it because you know he's not um a childhood hero we're just an observer of like a guy one of the greats of the game but it's like but the questions in his sorry the the question of him being in the side anymore is not ridiculous. It's it's not ridiculous anymore. I think it might have been a year ago, but now it's like mm, it's still going, it's still bumbling yeah. along. Like you got to show us something. And when when guys come in, um, and he's not the best player anymore. It's it's he's that's that, I think that is the that's the case. He's not the best player in the IPL anymore. He's not the best player in the Indian team anymore. But he's still I think he's still in the top six best bats that they can put out. Got to say though. You know, we always talk about the power rankings of great players when they're fading. And, you know, some mm. players have looked like absolute dog shit when the eyes have gone. I still yep. maintain that his child must be sleeping very well because Coley, there's no evidence that anything's gone there. It's just, it it no. just gets out. But like, it just gets out. But some of the shots still look great. Doesn't look like he's, he's late or anything, or the feet are mixed up, or is no, exactly. still, it still looks really deliberate, it looks precise, it looks decisive, uh, and I expect it to score another 100. Yeah, expect it to score another 100. All right. Uh, well, let's talk to It now, uh, one of the best friends of the show, to tell us what's happening over in the UK and the celebration, the scenes it must have been, not just after levelling the series 2-2, that was cute, but, um, you know, celebrating Australia's loss over there in Sri Lanka when they also had a very cute one-all series draw. It's Barney Rone. Here he is right now. Pleasure to be joined by Barney Rone. First time this English summer, I believe. We had to go once, but uh, the Wimbledon Wi-Fi was no good and Kyrgios was doing some shit. But um, here we go, Barney. Uh, England started the summer, the men's cricket team, that is, appointing three blokes who'd never done their job. 
uh, the new job. That's Rob Key, who said strap in. Uh, Brendan McCullum had sockless sneakers. Stokes was bombing sixes for Durham. Uh, and then after like 18 months of losing, England have now dusted everyone in revolutionary fashion. Uh, how are you and the nation processing this? Yeah, it is difficult. I'm, I'm struggling, struggling to deal with feelings of unaccustomed lightness and optimism and, and, and things that kind of spike the guns of the last two decades of moaning relentlessly about structural flaws and change. Uh, we're going to have to deal with this in some way. We're going to have to process winning and optimism and people saying it's okay, it's fine, you don't have centuries of psychodrama to carry with you. I saw today that, I haven't read it yet, I saw the headline on my colleague Jonathan Liu's column, which seems to be saying that actually basketball is a symptom of massive structural post-colonial decay, which I'm really here for and feel <laughs> immediately reassured by. And I just hope he's managed to get some really good lines about how it's actually terrible and shows that we are bad and, and that the world is a terrible place. But I mean, English cricket must be very, very annoying for other people. I, I mean, I know English sports and English people in England generally are annoying, but English cricket is it's such a kind of weepy drama queen. And it's really annoying in this country as well, because it spends the whole time talking about how it's dying to such an extent that that's become the drama and it fills the summer. And talking about English cricket dying is this incredibly vibrant, like, like sucking the life out of everything else kind of industry. It's like Morrissey. English cricket is Morrissey. It's all about how depressed <laughs> we are. And have you seen a, our platinum selling album? And, and now we've got, we're, we're doing it again in another way. We're kind of recycling those themes about how we're dying and how we have to talk about how we're dying constantly. And just to carry on talking about that um, while you try and make me talk about something else, uh, we've got this leadership, um, uh, Conservative Party leadership thing going on at the moment for, the, for a, new, a new prime minister. And these people have all come out of the woodwork, like people who look just generally like startling, like people who look like they still keep slaves are saying, I want to be the leader of your country because I'm going to change everything and I'm nice. And th there was one, um, there was a leadership video, like a pitch, vote for me, by someone called Penny Mordaunt, who's a, just a kind of box standard MP, frightening looking person. Um, and... Uh, they remind me of uh, Mrs. Thatcher was once asked to quote a favourite line of poetry. She quoted Philip Larkin. Just out of nowhere, immediately the line that came to her head was, um, all that day your, your mind lay open like a drawer of knives. That just came into her head instantly as her favourite line of poetry. It's, it's, it's actually a line about a poem about um, a child murder, a child murderer. That just came into her head, not about daffodils or the sun or something like that. And these, that's what these people start to remind me of. But in Penny Morden's video, there's a lot of flags and the law courts and sort of everything's going to be OK. This is England. Mm. And in the middle of it, there's a shot of Johnny Bester. She's taken, her team have taken Johnny Bester, raising his bat since he's just scored his yeah, 403 weeks. And this is the Britain I will bring to you, Johnny Bester scoring a basketball <laughs> 100. What, and it's made me feel incredibly angry. It's like, hands off, no, go away. That, where were you when he was being bowled through the gate six times in <laughs> 10 days for naught, when he was incredibly angry, proving people wrong who didn't need to be proved wrong. And suddenly you don't get to have Johnny, but that's where we are. You know, cricket has spread itself across everything again, and we have to process it. I want to ask you about the bizarro nature of the current team, as opposed to the uh, correct team of Joe Root of you know proper cricket, where they lost heaps of games. I'm I'm talking about. 
the Nighthawk of Stuart Broad. I'm talking about Jimmy Anderson being on a, um, his podcast, Taylor Linders, talking about Stokes said, do you want to go in next and hit the winning runs? Because you've never done that before. Um, all this talk about going at sevens or nines and over. I'm talking about Ben Stokes saying, I wish they got 450. And it's not just these things have occurred. It's that it's a very public campaign that we want you to know that these things are happening. What? This isn't, yeah. this isn't England. Yeah, it's, um, it's difficult, isn't it? And obviously some big part of me, I have to be honest, wants it to fail because it, it makes everything seem ridiculous, like centuries of worrying about things and worrying about doing things the proper way and protocols that we've agonized over. Like, but, but the difference between batting four and five is everything and, and balancing the attack and worrying about stuff like that. And should you have a night watchman? Is that some sort of admission of fate? You know, the Steve War idea, they're just throwing everything away and it seems to work. And that's incredibly worrying because what were we all doing? You know, it's all falling apart. And, and the things that you've kind of clung to for so long as, as vital, vital issues. And suddenly Jack Leach is, is taking 10 wickets in England after I've thought endlessly about the tiny little things that are wrong with the way he's delivering the ball and his release and why that doesn't work. And generations of why spin bowling has been badly captained in England doesn't seem to matter because you can just say some stuff and have some videos and talk about things and sit on a balcony looking kind of relaxed and it, it falls away. So, but I, I'm not sure how real it is. It's really hard to know how real it is. And we do have this thing in England where the minute things go slightly right, um, it's as though we've solved everything, as though the best kind of Englishness is the best of everything. Uh, and it, there's a real tendency to kind of massively exaggerate what's happening, like the, the over-veneration of winning a World Cup, uh, the idea that Owen Morgan changed everything. Uh, you know, that we, we kind of do go very over. I want to see it tested and tested properly because I think the India test was, there are a lot of things went England's way. India weren't ready, they weren't prepared. Um, uh, my, you know, Mohamed Shami bowled a million deliveries that go past the outside edge and you kind of go, oh, well, he's never going to get a wicket anyway, it's fine. I, I want to see it properly tested because it, you're right, it seems too easy and, and I'm disturbed. Uh, uh, look, what do you think about the term Bazball Barney? I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm interested in the fact that McCullum has recently come out and says it's a, said it's a silly term. And he seems to look on it and the media who concocted it with a sort of disdain that a, that a first grader would reserve for a fifth grader or a, you know, wheelie bin cricketer. Uh, and <laughs> he also decides to only speak to Australian SEN radio, I think, where he's, where he's contracted. And I think that's upsetting for the UK media as well. So it must be confusing for cricket press to giddily come up with this term that seems to describe what's going on only for the coach himself to completely offer it yeah i mean it's per he has to say that if he had said i'm so grateful thank you for inventing you know that would have been non-basball so to say that basball doesn't exist is basball like that's entirely <laughs> consistent he, he hasn't disproved anything he's just he, he can't possibly accept that term or accept that someone else could coin it and and he is of course right as well he hasn't actually done anything um, he's just, um, he's un somehow unlocked this other dimension, another level, simply by sitting there. Like, there's not been any coaching, there's not been, there's not been any public pronouncements. I don't, you know, he's not, he's not come up with anything. And, and it was kind of a, a fun term that Andrew Miller sort of came up with as a, it doesn't, it doesn't literally work. It, things in cricket aren't called ball, are they? It's not, 
No, but it's, a, it's more of a sort of football term. Also, it doesn't involve doing much with the ball. What's bad ball is bowling like 82 mile an hour seamers who <laughs> jag it around a little bit and are, are accurate and don't get injured. So it's not really a ball issue. It's um, you know, it's a it's a vision issue. And for him to just dismiss it almost without even dismissing it is is great basketball. So thanks. He's, he's absolutely re- renewed the term and given it a, a massively fresh um, lease of life by just destroying us all in one half thought about kind of remark. So we thank we thank we thank our overlord for that. <laughs> do you do you have a favourite bit though yet, Barney? Because I mean, we're just talking before about. Do you trust it? And there's obviously like, wow, well, well, what happens when they go to Amenabad? Then it's a completely different sport. And but yeah, that's all well and good. But like, you just won four remarkable tests in a row. The white ball program is excellent. It has been for a long time. So like, this is a great time to be a fan of England cricket. Like it just is. And But like, so you must have a, can you, can you disregard the, do we trust it yet? And just uh, embrace the, whatever this thing is. And do you have a favorite bit yet? Um. All I when I look at it, all I can see is like um, last day run chases. Mm. Um, I, I mean, it's the same stuff happening, just more intensely and in, in a way that works. Um, I think that the <laughs> Jeremy's batting has been the thing of the summer. Um, it's not really Johnny Bester because that's been kind of um, slightly frantic and wild and like could have gone the other way on another day and it's definitely not been Ben Stokes's batting which has been horrible and I, I'm a bit con- there's kind of three grades to it aren't there there's the hysterical mm. Ben Stokes there's the kind of Johnny just about getting it right um I have to say Root's batting has been an absolute dream like his cover driving um which he hasn't often done in the past it's like run it run it down to third man there's a lot of that and it's all sort of soft wrists under the eyes, and it's kind of acknowledging the ball's going to nibble about. It's quite passive aggressive. But my only, the only thing I can actually remember is him driving the ball through the covers, and it being one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in any sport. Um, and it, he's just sort of reached a level now where I'd put it like with, with the sort of Gower '85 Ashes series, where he's just sort of playing this game in his own little square of light. And I don't know if that's got anything to do with basketball. I think it's probably just a stroke of fortune he's given up the captaincy. And um, I have seen there's been a lot of Joe Root revisionists. There's been a, quite a lot of um, Joe Root prepared the ground here. And if it hadn't been for Joe Root sort of bravely <laughs> and selflessly hanging in there while England lost all those games, preparing the ground for Stokes, while all his friends in the media were saying there's no way anyone could ever, you know, these are deep structural things. Nobody could ever rescue this. Um, but just um, the... Um, the purity of his batting has just been astonishing. And if that's kind of basketball, I suppose it is. I mean, it's the it's the, the effect of feeling that pressure leave your shoulders, which I guess is what it's all about. Um, that's been the nicest bit. I'm watching actually um, the appreciation he's had from uh, the opposition. Obviously, New Zealand do that all the time because they're these sort of, you know, pathologically nice people. But India too, you know, I think, I think it's just been remarkable test batting. And it, it's been the thing that's really told me that this sport still works because the entertainment is just astonishing. The, the ultimate expression of the footballing mind, Barney, seems to be a mad professorial type, you know, stringing paper all over his walls and dimly lit rooms and really immersed in the game to be possessed by it and every little facet and inch of it. But the new trend in cricket is to kind of, in, in long form cricket is to, is that wisdom is like to reduce it to childlike fun, you know, to somehow 
care more by feeling less pained by it and aphorisms like fail your way and like do, do you think these styles are just fads like how do you feel about enlightened happy cricketers uh, and and the whole bloke revolution of England you know like I know he goes said this before but do you do you trust that do you think that is the best way to play cricket because of how brutal it is as compared to football for example well, it's, it's one of those things where I always feel in sport and I've kind of studied these team sports, you know, for decades trying to work out what's happening and how a thing that's really new can suddenly seem really old. And there's this, I, there's a, I, mean, I strongly believe that any, any plan is a good plan. It doesn't matter what the plan is. So long as everyone agrees that's a good plan, then it's a plan and it will work. So if Steve War says you have to die and we have to talk about Gallipoli, so long as everyone says <laughs> we really agree that that's the right plan, then that plan will win because no one else really, really has a plan. But then if you say, no, no, that's not the plan, we're just going to feel good and we're going to just not, you know, it's just not, we're all going to be really relaxed. Then as long as everyone agrees, then that's also a plan. But it's, it has to be really brutally enforced. Like the, the English fun, the idea of having fun is... I've, I've noticed already there's, there's a massive pressure to be that guy, to be fun and to be not, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of peer pressure to entirely be yourself. And there's already been some sort of chat about the players aggressively enjoying themselves in the warm up. Um, and it, it kind of, it, the, I, I don't really believe that you really can do whatever. What if you actually think that you should be worrying about Gallipoli and sitting there, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to do that, you wouldn't be, if that's you, that's not allowed. You can't be. It, reminds me, it, it sort of reminds me of the story about when Joffre Archer first started playing with England. He um he made the mistake of eating a Twix, um, or I think it was a I think it was a Snickers. And he was immediately, immediately rounded on. Like particularly, I think Ben Stokes was particularly angry and told to eat energy gels instead because that's professional. And it was like, you're going to be one of us. We're going to make you one of us. And you're going to do, you're going to eat the energy gels. And I feel like the fun, the being relaxed, the having a laugh, the not being too worried about it. If you want Mark Krampakash to come in and throw 10 billion balls at you because that makes you feel good and that's your way of being relaxed, I don't think that's going to work. That, that won't be allowed because that's mm -hmm. not the right you. So the, the, we will face that crisis at some point, um, probably when things start going wrong, which is when these things tend to tend to fall apart. But for now, we have a plan, and that is pretty much all that matters, you know, have a plan. Um, to paraphrase, I'm 99% I'm sure a tweet of yours, Barney, is this not a great victory for the structures set up in county cricket? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was quite funny. I mean, I, I remember, I, I don't know if Joe Root was kind of taken out of context there, but he did say, you know, anyone who's got in this team has done so in spite of County Ricky, not because of it, which it just now looks kind of odd in that you've got Matthew Potts, who's come directly out of County Cricket and seems to have like a really elite mentality. I mean, he's he's not particularly, he doesn't have extreme pace, doesn't move the ball particularly, but he's really athletic, really fit, really up for it. Uh, you know, he's kind of that guy who wants to sort of get in your face and win. And he was the leading wicket-taker in county cricket, bowling at 82 miles an hour. Um, so uh, I, they have changed pitches a bit this year. Um, there, there's a lot of runs being scored, so I guess you could kind of try to flip it around and say, well, they listen to us and now county cricket. But the funny thing about Joe Root is he, he, he's played more county cricket in the last two years than he has white ball cricket for England. He's actually played a lot of county cricket and his success um, is in part 
because he's basically given up white ball cricket and just played red ball cricket, including a lot for Yorkshire. So it was kind of odd to hear him saying that. I think it's the thing they've just been saying to themselves in the dressing room a lot. And I think it was kind of based around the fact that there are a lot of guys coming in who didn't have six packs and immediately got injured and were eating kebabs late at night and that kind of thing. Like a, there are people going around county cricket who are basically could easily be in the Kent Premier League, um, you know, drinking 15 pints after a you know, game on a terrible pitch. Uh, there, there is a bit of that. And, and I think that was kind of appalling to these kids who've been raised in the, in the system. But um, no, it's actually really kind of quite a tribute to county cricket for people who can come in and play like that. Alex Lease, you know, a uh, talented sort of journeyman style cricketer who's, a little bit overweight, but he's kind of come in and been told to free himself up a bit, and yeah, he scored a couple of fifties. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all, it all seems to have happened in the in the broader context of a conversation about perhaps the dwindling primacy of international cricket following the six point two billion IPO media rights deal, uh, and that's a deal that kind of feels where it feels like test cricket and international cricket can pick up some scraps around it down the track. And, you know, the, the anachronistic white closed domestic pyramid supporting strongholds like Australia and England are now dead. Everyone must now be six foot two with pipes and levers. There's no competing with Jay Shah and data Ganguly and reliance industries. Like, do you see any alternatives to Indian financial hegemony and, would England and Australia's heads be turned if the Saudis came in, for example, on a platform of reinvigorating the Sheffield Shield and two-tiered county cricket? <laughs> but, no, you, I mean, you're right. You, yeah, well, yes, is the obvious answer to that. Um, but you're right, that deal, um, that deal is, is an astonishing thing because it's not just um, cricket that that deal is going to affect. Because, um, I mean, you know, I write across all sports. So that deal is going to affect everything. Um, it's having an effect... It's going to have, it's bigger than the than the football the English football Premier League now the IPL. It's going to affect how the Championship works. It's going to affect how everything works. It's unbelievable. Um, we make a mistake of believing that anyone who actually administrates sport has any interest at all in balancing competitions, in nourishing how talent comes through in history. They don't. Like it's entirely about the bottom line, and that's the only argument that ever wins. And that deal is such a vast piece of gravity is such a vast sort of gravitational force that it's going to affect everything and um, there's no way cricket can resist that uh, absolutely not um, and I think we're only going to we're only going to start to see uh, the effects of it now um, we've got a month-long hundred season coming up here which um, I'm sure everyone in Australia is excited about too because it's such a great format and you're probably looking to buy it in now that the big bash has fallen apart and uh, is <laughs> apparently now bad. Um, but, you know, a month, a month, basically the meat of the summer is devoted to that. And the, the IPL deal is kind of uh, weirdly an argument that this whole ludicrous new format, as desperate as it is and doomed to fail, was, was probably a good idea just because it, it blows everything else away. And we haven't seen the effects of it. Um, you know, you cannot argue with that money. County cricketers here, if you play Red Bull cricket, you get a cricket a contract to play. You're on £20,000 a year. Um, you're not going to get much better than that. It's very, very hard to live in a city here, like to have any kind of life on that. And you have devoted your life to something incredibly difficult to get to that level, to the exclusion of your academic qualifications, exclusion of anything else. It's kind of insane to try and play Red Bull cricket as a young sort of talented sportsman in this country, particularly because you're likely to have gone to the kind of school where all your mates are going to 
go off and work in financial services and you know get vast bonuses um so i just can't see it's very hard to see how that that sport survives unless we make decisions that kind of distort the market and say we're going to preserve this like it's a museum piece because it's a piece of the culture that we need to preserve and divert resources to um it's really hard to see how in, in five years time anyone with any talent like you say isn't in the gym trying to hit the ball you know over, over mid wicket for six uh 24 hours a day because it would be irrational to try and do anything else Thank you very much to Mr. Ron A. Wonderful to talk to Barney. We're very privileged to do so. On this here, our 200th episode, uh, again, means something to Pez and I. That's nice. It's nice for us to, um, you know, do that. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like back in the day when, when television was a thing, when people used to go on, they used to watch television, and you, like you used to run to the bathroom during the ad breaks and stuff, and a show would be on like once a week, and you'd sort of talk about the work the next day. Like if a, if a TV show reached like 100 episodes, it'd be like, oh, 100 episodes. That was a big deal. Um, but now, like basically, um, if you've got a laptop and um, and a phone, you just have a conversation with your mate, and it's like, Oh yeah, we oh, we did seventeen hundred episodes of the podcast. Did you? <laughs> I well, I think about I eighty fuck. about fucking eighty five of our episodes were with that level of technical proficiency. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the people stuck with us, Pez. They That's stuck right. with us. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Yeah, it is nice. It is nice. Yeah, I don't know. One one like- one group of people that did stick with us, Pez, from the nearly the very beginning. Uh, actually, was it from the very beginning? Have Budgie Smuggler been with us from the very start? No, they weren't. They came so. in year two. Yeah. Year two. Year we're two. With, that's what we're with Fox ah. Sports for the first year as well. Of course, of course, yeah. of course. When we yes. used to try and get people to say things that would become headlines on Fox Sports, but we haven't. that hasn't happened for a few years. I don't know why for some reason. Anyway. I'm doing my best. I'm doing tweets. Yeah, that's right. Now. That's right. <laughs> I'm getting full articles. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck is that? That's wild. <laughs> Any uh, but yeah, f- from the f- – <laughs> yeah. Now, when I, when I wrote that – uh, when I was doing some cardio in my apartment, I thought this this will get picked up. This will get picked up. I thought, um, Pez, uh, this is now year six of the podcast. So from years two to year six, uh, Budgie Smuggler have been with us, and they've been in the hearts and the minds of the Australian people. They've, you know, they've they've explored the the terrains of the of the continent. Um, they're in France. They're in the UK. I want to see people on a European holiday right now. You know what? I'm sending the call out, Pez. Love it. I'm sending the call out. If you're on a European holiday right now. And I know you've packed some budgies. I don't care if you're Australian. I don't care if you're English. I don't care if you're Dutch. And if you are, you're probably still looking for some of those balls that Josh Butler hit because he fucking smoked them over there in Amsterdam. But if you're, if you're on a holiday, if you're on a European jaunt right now, send us a photo. Get in the DMs. I want to see you. Maybe do some cricket shit in bars. Maybe you're on the beach. Maybe you're on the, the Arc de Triomphe. I don't care where you are, but you're in Europe, you're on the continent, and you're in budgies. I want to see that photo. DM me. DM me, DM TJC, DM Pez. Yep. Do whatever you want. Just I want to see some imagery. Tag us in and we might repost uh, if it's any good. So there's there's a little call to action. If you, uh, What are we if, talking about this week, Pez? Well, I'll just extend it. You, you, you say they're, they're big in France, they're big in England, they're big in Australia. I've got no doubt that somebody was in, is he the outgoing Sri Lankan president's pool in budgies too? And if you're, <laughs> no if you're doubt. there and if you have any photos of it, you don't have to put your face in for obviously for security yeah. reasons. Please let yeah. us know that as well. All uh, right. The, the, that the would people, be good. The people's, res- people's revolution was happening there. Um, but on the flip side, he goes, and, and you are right, there's lots of people who seem to be in Europe at the moment. I don't know about you. There's a, Instagram's getting flooded with coats in Europe looking good. Uh, and yeah. and I 
I'm happy for them and jealous and all that kind of stuff. I've had my time. Don't worry, I've done plenty of cases in my time. Uh, but, uh, you know. <laughs> don't worry about that, boys. So I've done that. Perfectly. I've done what you've done. Don't worry about that. I'm time. not jealous. If you, yeah. if you come back here, though, you know, I've been encouraged as I'm about to move back to Melbourne in a couple of weeks' time to pack my ski parkers, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but if you, you need your warm clothes, thanks, Budgie's got you covered there as well. I think I showed a hoodie a couple of weeks ago. Have a go, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're watching on YouTube, have a go at these trackies. Mate, that oh, is that yes. is that is some ser- and it's got a little budgie insignia there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, this is some seriously thick cotton. I cannot wait to deck myself mm. out in this clobber mm. when I get back to the fucking yeah. Arctic winds yeah, of deck Melbourne. Deck the halls, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Deck the halls. Why and the holes are your legs in this example. Yeah, I can only wear them after my children are asleep and their washing's done and stuff like that. Because if I if I wear them while the children are having dinner, etc., there goes the whiteness. Uh, anyway, let's fu- let's fucking face it. I'm going to spill something on it anyway. But mate, it's it's yeah, quality clobber from a winter perspective. I've obviously mm-hmm. I've decked my microphone here with some um, very island thing. This actually is sort of thing I'd wear in Sri Lanka as well, and a fluoro little drawstring as That's well. That's a number. It's yeah, a nice, little fluoro drawstring number. Yeah, it's a nice smuggler. Uh, and also, sorry, just here because this is actually just a repository, not a suppository, repository of uh, budgie kit. There's your socks, if you will. Look at that, oh, yeah. Australian made it own. I'm gonna oh, get sign for my, the office. I'm going to get under my desk here, fight a dollar, and I'm going to show you. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a sensational audio listen at the moment. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, he, and, he, and here are some undies as well. Some jocks, if you will. I'm going to open these bad boys up, some ASMR stuff. Yeah, baby. Yep. Look at that. This, little this is now a YouTube well. unboxing channel. Yeah, unboxing channel. There's your budget. So, so they are across all manner of apparel. It's an apparel they, range. They, now. It's two hundredth episode. They've supported us for the large majority of it. I know I've said it before, but I will say earnestly: Budget Smuggler came in to support us at a time that was extremely. Um, beneficial a few years ago just as COVID was hitting and it actually permitted us to do way more work than we were able to do before because of their um, yeah. their faith in us. Uh, so uh, it is our pleasure every week to talk about how good their shit is and it's also a pleasure genuinely to watch how much their business is um, succeeding. People love their shit all across the world. It's not just swimwear, but if you are a swimwear brand, watch out. Uh, and it, it, it's broader apparel and if you are another apparel brand, watch the fuck out. Um, indeed, use the code TGC. Uh, Pez, before we get into hashtag RCGC, uh, we are, we're doing, uh, sorry, <laughs> TGC. Um, it's the, the code for Budgie is champ. What am I talking about? Code for Budgie's champ. I'm just reading other notes here. And yeah. now I'm also talking about mm, Manscaped. We use the code TJC for 20% off and free shipping. Another another company that just fits right in the wheelhouse of TJC. I'm not sure if there's any stories this week, Pez. I mean, you're obviously coming back to, to Melbourne, so um, so I don't know if that requires necessarily some trimming of your pubic hair um, for travel uh, purposes, um, but uh, that's something that I would like you to do before you return to me into my, into my arms. Um, okay, that's an trim. instruction to, to Manscaped. That's I'm getting a lot of Manscaped ads lately. Uh, a, lot of, a lot so of Manscaped I. ads of uh, like quite attractive women essentially encouraging me to shave my balls. And uh, yeah, they, yeah, needn't yeah. Do, they needn't do that because they didn't need, needn't put those ads out there because we're putting them out there, just two white blokes 
uh, when yep. I'm wearing glasses and stuff, just telling guys you can shave your balls, it doesn't hurt your balls, all the, well, gen- all, all yeah. the stuff there, there and thereabouts. Once again, yeah. I don't really know what else to say on that. Well, the I think that, I think that, I think the target the targeting stuff is uh, is very it's North American at the moment. So like those mm-hmm. ads are being produced in North America, and obviously it's a, you know it's a, it's a hot girl summer. Um, uh, of course, and so I think that's that's the increase of like, the influx of ads on your own. Mm. Uh, Instagram fiend, despite you know you being in the tropics, and me being you know closer to the Arctic, so um, I think that's the that's the increase of that. But it, I'm sure if, if we're experiencing that, then we're definitely. Do you reckon as well though we're getting more because we like our phones listening nonstop, and we literally yeah. every week talk for man. We talk, we say the word manscaped. Yep. For about four to five mm. minutes every single week, so I think that. Um, and I've also I've also been looking up landscaping, and I think it mightn't be hearing me correctly. Yeah. As well, yeah, so that's I just right. keep getting manscaped that's, ads. That's yeah, so just be if you. If you <laughs> I, I, I actually I really feel for people who work in landscaping as well. Just typing well, that I in and actually, stuff. They just must be getting so many manscaped ads. I had a conversation for about forty five minutes with a guy about man cads the other day. So that's also <laughs> potentially getting those so inflated. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. and the Doctor Seuss uh, movie with Mark Myers where he's dressed, he's a man dressed as a cat, as well. So <laughs> you're getting those movie recommendations. Yeah, yeah, man, Doctor Cat. cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Manscaped, we've spoken about it many times in the past. This won't be your first jaunt into into TJC's ears uh, about, uh, and sorry, if you're into your ears, listen to TJC about, um, you know, grooming products for the male body. Um, maybe if you're a female listener and you think about the perfect present, I think that's a great gift. I think it's a great gift. It's, it comes as a nice in a nice package. It's a great unboxing experience. There's something in there for everyone. Use the code TGC and you get 20% off and then they support us and then we support you so we can put out more stuff. It's a great, it's it's symbiotic. It's perfect. Hashtag ask TGC. This week, uh, we're, we're, speaking, uh, we're speaking about European jaunts uh, and, uh, and Ross wrote in. He said, Ragazzi. That's Italian for boys, so straying slightly away from the proverbial off stump that is your regular boys. Nice. So I hope I haven't butchered that. Like I have a scenario followed by a question, says Ross. We, me and three, two friends, <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> fucking hell, have gotten into this very strange routine of practicing bowling to one another and getting out whilst on a night out. E.g., most recently, while in a nightclub in Amsterdam, my friend James bowls that Mitchell Johnson ball, the one that got Bearstow and subsequently Stokes and generated cricket bonus deluxe the world over, and I gloved it to a friend standing behind. He was flanked by another friend of mine in first slip. Do you remember that dismissal? Do you remember that ball? Uh, I don't remember that ball of Mitchell Johnson's. I mean, that ball for Mitchell Johnson, either and the one that gets Anderson or the one that gets Root. Uh, sorry, um, Cook in Adelaide. But wasn't that uh, Harris, or was that it? No, 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 no. Uh, that that was in the second innings. Oh, so right. in the first innings, Johnson like gets he bowls um, Cook, and then the Anderson yeah. one where I'm he not, stares I'm not, at him. I'm that, not giving it. That, look at look at the way we're at sixes and sevens. Well, I'm not giving it that ball yeah. status. I mean, I'll that give it ball. that series status. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Ross continues. Naturally, he snaffled it, and we all went wild, including me, who had technically just been dismissed. <laughs> So he's nicked off and he's celebrated, okay? Um, This raised a question from a female bystander, which essentially boiled down to, what the fuck was that? As you'd imagine, this not only didn't help with the ladies, it reduced the chop chances to zero. Yet, despite numerous setbacks, we keep doing it as it raises somewhat of a smile and does give us something a little bit niche in this influencer-driven world that demands real bait action. (laughs) 
We also went to a gay club recently with some friends and noticed that the young men in the club were also equally unimpressed. So there seems to be a strong correlation between cricket-related simulations and chop strike rates of minus one billion. My question is the following. <laughs> what is the best cricket-based drill slash action in order to attract someone you're interested in romantically? Would it be the no run as a great potential partner is attempting to walk past you in a club or as he, she brushes past you, you give them the Joe Root eyes and sheepish smile you'd make if you just miss a Jaffa outside of stump. Or perhaps raising the bat after downing a shot. I can't see any scenario where a man cat would be appropriate, but I'm throwing it in in case Pezrat or Hig can. Just to finish a moment, uh, just to finish with a moment of absolute beta sincerity, TJC is the genuine highlight of my week. Always raises a smile. My life would be much more boring place without it. Cheers, Ross. Yet another Amsterdam-based beta pom and loyal patron. Please do not keep anonymous in case I have any friends listening to this. It would be nice <laughs> to have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a great quote. I was, I was ready to rinse Ross uh, when yeah. it appeared for a while he was earnestly asking without any irony you know, which cricket-based simulation was going to help with chops in the club. Yeah, um, yeah. But he very, very quickly moved to make clear that he was aware that it reduces your chances um, to, to a strike rate of minus one billion. Um, yes. Which is about in the ballpark I was going to go in as well. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't I don't even want to deign to, uh, to pretend that there's like anything you can do to raise your chop stakes, even if it's like clever or creative, like the no run thing made me think about doing that to a woman, perhaps as she's about to cross the road and get hit by a car, you know, waiting. No, Uh, but that's just saving their life. I don't think, look, I don't want to speak for women, but my guess is that if you save the woman's life, who was about to be hit by a car, she, she doesn't, it's probably unlikely she wants to fuck you as a result of that. So, so that's why that doesn't exist. <laughs> you know that that's cricket related action yeah. doesn't help you. Uh, yeah, I, I, like, I can't <laughs> imagine a scenario where you're in a bar, someone walks past you, and you yell "no run," and then she thinks that that's a compliment, or he. I, I would that go as far like to say that, like, him. if you're, we've all been sort of in our late teens, early twenties, and like probably done some like you know yeah some dumb cringe nerd cringe shit like cricket sports stuff you know yeah. back in like back when i was like 17 or 18 like I, I liked rugby union and like they used to sing waltzing matilda and yeah. Yeah. you know if you're from that a certain demographic at a certain time wincingly and cringy like cringe worthily that was a fun thing to do. And I look back and I wince and I cringe and it was wrong and I'm sorry. And it's minus 1 billion everything. So like we've all done dumb shit, but like I'll go as far to say that like if you move to do any cricket action in a nightclub, you are essentially saying, I don't want to have sex and I know yeah, I'm not going right. to get sex. I've given up on sex. There, there's yeah. nothing you can do that will attract a, a woman to you as far as I can gather he goes yeah mate the, like you might as well be in on a dance floor in some seedy portuguese club wearing cricket whites that says route 66 on the back okay that's what you might as well be doing okay 
So then you've just actually let, got police after you, if that's the case. That's right. The federal that's police. Right. Well, Pez and I have been discussing um, how the, the, the origin, the idea for the names and numbers on the back of jerseys was actually instigated by the FBI um, to, to <laughs> investigate people buying those jerseys uh, for instances of pedophilia. It's a pedophile honey trap. As soon as you buy that, and they, as soon as you buy that, and they scan that at the counter, yeah. the the AFP or the federal jurisdiction, yeah. whatever whatever yeah. country you're in, yeah. they're immediately yeah. informed. Oh, okay, I, yeah, an alert goes off like it's code red. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. bikes in an in underground the, bunker. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's re, re, yeah, re, re, rebel rebel sport, Casarina. Go. <laughs> And that's the end of episode 200, I feel like. Pez, what a perfect way to finish. How far we've come. Thank you to everyone that's um, listened to any one of these last 200 episodes over the course of time. Thank you very much to Bunny Ronay for joining us uh, on this here show. Thank you very much for listening. As always, uh, Patreon comes out on Friday. Uh, the Hall of Fame, of course, comes out next week as well. But uh, thanks as ever, and we'll see you guys next week. Cheers.